She left me some stars. That's nice. Oh, I'm just going to pull this a little bit closer. I might take it out and move a little bit, but we'll see. So um, you all have in your bulletins this sheet to follow along. And because I'm a teacher, I wanted to be prepared. So if you don't have a pen, there is a blue basket on the windowsill full of pens and pencils. You can get one if you need to. Okay. So when I began preparing for this Sunday, um, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes you start with one topic, and then you go to another topic, and then that rabbit trails into another topic. And what I was thinking was that I wanted to share from my experience, because that's what I know. And then I realized that my experience is widespread, and it's hard for me to nail down just one thing. Um, you see, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I know life before, during, and after cancer. I know living with mild PTSD because of that. I know being a wife and a creative and a mother. I know little boys, and I could tell you some great sermons that I've learned from parenting little boys. Um, but I also know teaching and mentoring children, and many of them are your children. So where do I go? Where does this leave me? And where does this leave us? Uh, I really believe that God has given us this life, our very own stories, to build up and encourage the body of Christ. I'm no pastor, and being married to one doesn't give me any special qualifications, I can assure you. Um, so I'm speaking to you today as your sister in Christ and a fellow so sojourner in the journey of faith, one that is filled with the Holy Spirit. So I pray this morning that um, the words I share will speak to your heart and will bless and encourage you. So why don't we pray? Um, Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this opportunity to um, share uh, what you've laid on my heart and to share what I know. Um, God, I pray that your spirit would fill this place and that this morning people would walk away with um, some nugget of truth that you have shared with them. pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but last weekend, I was in Spokane for my 20th high school reunion. You don't find that hard to believe? Dang. So, a funny thing happens when you get a bunch of adults together, even 20 years later, who were teenagers together. Insecurity comes out that you thought had died a long time ago. I spent the better part of last Saturday night attempting to have fun while fighting the insecurities of my youth. That's weird, right? Except that it's not so weird. Because yes, I'm a child of God, and yes, he loves me, and yes, that should be enough. I know this, I teach this, and yet putting it into action around people that teased me and judged me as a 16-year-old is hard. The wounds have healed, but the scars remain. I can only guess that for my fellow classmates um, that they were in the same boat uh, because I know how I treated some of them, lest you think that I was a perfect angel when I was 16. Um, and I just want to say real quick that that chick video, I just love teenagers. I wanted to be there so bad. It's, it looked so great. Teenager, teenagers are awesome. So um, why am I talking about my 20th uh, reunion? And this is where the connection comes in to my work. Um, because I want to change the experience that young people have today so that 20 years from now they can come together with a group of their peers and have a different experience than I did. Um, an experience where they feel built up, loved, encouraged, and celebrated. 
It might be optimistic, but it is possible with Christ. Friends, this is why I work at NCCS. This is why I love my job, because I get to pour into the lives of young people for the glory of God. Um, can you put the picture on the screen for me, please? Thanks. So, in the past four months, three people who are related to the school somehow have shared this picture with me on Facebook. This young person has become famous on the internet because uh, his parent probably forced him to take a picture with this at school. I'm going to read it to you. It says, some kids are smarter than you. Some kids have cooler clothes than you. Some kids are better at sports than you. And it doesn't matter. You have your thing too. Be the kid who can get along. Be the kid who is generous. Be the kid who is happy for others. Be the kid who does the right thing. Be the nice kid. So I'm going to challenge you today, whether you are a kid or a teenager or someone slightly older than that, to change that pronoun so that it fits you. Be that person, okay? We're going to kind of walk through this. So I'm going to let it stay up on the screen while I speak. I'm going to use these words as a foundation for the rest of my talk. And grown-ups, listen to me now. This is not just something that kids need to hear. All right, so let's break it down. Now we're going to start following along on our sheet. So number one, this wall art at that school encourages us to have our own thing. You have your own thing too. So I'm going to read two verses for you. These are your first two blanks on the sheet. 1 Corinthians 12. Are you writing this down? 1 Corinthians 12. There's going to be a test later. No, there's not. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 31 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God is appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Um, similarly, in Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, um, Paul says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So that passage that I read to you in Corinthians, um, just before that is that famous part about the body of Christ, talking about how we can't all be eyes and we can't all be ears or hearts or hands. Um, because a body requires all of its parts in order to function properly. You do you, right? The body of Christ requires you with your specific set of talents and skills and personality to do you. Are you an artist? Well, create to the glory of God. Are you a carpenter? Build to the glory of God. Are you a dad? Well, love your family as Christ loves his people. Are you a barista? Bless you. <laughs> I love you. My coffee maker just broke. <sighs> Serve your customers with the joy and grace of Christ. You get to do you. Okay, so the second thing is get along. Now, is this difficult for anyone but me? Tell me I'm not the only one. Do you find yourself saying, I love people, but... 
or I can get along with anyone until they do that one thing that drives me crazy, or the one of 20 things that drives me crazy. So a few years ago, I took one of those personality identifier tests for a job that I had. It was called Strength Finders. Anybody else ever taken that one? Yeah, so um, it asks you all these questions and it spits out from a list of, of character traits your top five and your lowest five. And I don't remember any of them except woo. I have the strength of woo, which is fun to say and sort of a weird word, so that's why I remember it. But basically, it, it means that I have the ability to draw people in. Um, and I've seen evidence of this in my life, that traditionally I've had a lot of friends, um, and my husband calls me a collector of people. I love people. But I need to tell you that it's not without the Lord's help. Because people are irritating and difficult, and you all do that one thing that drives me crazy. It's not without the Lord's help that we can get along, that I, that I can collect people and love people. That's only by the mercy of the Lord. Ephesians um, chapter 4, verses 1 to 2 says, I, as a prisoner for the Lord, then urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. And this is the part. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, and bearing with one another in love. So that word there for patience, this is where having a husband that's a pastor comes in handy, is the Greek word macrothumia. Can everybody say that? Macrothumia. Okay, so there's two kinds of patience in the Bible. This one means patient with people, not patience in a circumstance. So this is specifically talking about being patient with people. And this is number four on your, on your sheet here. Um, it's inspired by mercy. So in other words, we can't be patient with people unless we are inspired by mercy that comes from God. Um, we can't get along without his mercy. We need to be on our knees asking God to keep us humble and gentle so that we can be patient with one another in love. And we can't do this well apart from God's mercy. Okay, the third thing that this piece of art encourages us to do is be generous. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Friends, we ought to give like Christ. That's on your sheet here. Let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and truth. This is so countercultural. Society is telling us that we need to get more, that we need to get bigger, and we need to get better. All the while, they're building things that fall apart sooner so that we have to participate in this cycle of buying and, and getting rather than giving. And our, and our neighbor is suffering. Maybe it's our neighbor that lives next door. Maybe it's um, somebody here in town that's living on the street, or, or maybe it's someone around the world. Um, people are suffering. But this passage makes clear what generosity looks like, that we ought to show the love of God by giving to those in need, and that giving is an action. The beauty is that this looks different for each of us. Um, are you retired and on a fixed income? Well, give generously of your time. Are you in the throes of work and family life? Give of your abundance. That could be um, your assets, like sharing your home, inviting people over for meals, or sharing of the wealth that you have. Um, give generously of your, oh, excuse me, are you a young person with no job? Give generously of your energy and joy to others. Um, 
that sort of thing is contagious and it, and it affects the body of Christ in really positive ways. Give what you have. We all have something to give. And that verse um, from 1 John 3.16 really stretches us to give in real examples of sacrificial giving. So I'm going to talk about a meme for a second. For those of you who don't know what a meme is, I'll just explain it to you really quickly. It's a picture with words on the front that, or with words over the top of it, that explains something um, kind of funny or sarcastically. Um, Jeff is the master of CrossFit memes, if you've never followed his social media posts. Jeff's the pastor, for the, if there's any visitors today, that's a way. Um, and he loves to post memes about exercise. So there's this one meme, as I was uh, thinking about this, be generous, that just kept popping up to my, into my mind because we're talking about sacrificial giving here. Um, and, it, and it was not pleasant, and I won't repeat it exactly because it had curse words on it, but it, the essence of the meme was there was a young boy that you could tell had come from an impoverished country sitting on a step, and Jesus was standing behind him. Jesus had been superimposed behind this young boy. And basically it said, forget Jesus, something to that effect. And it, it has bothered me ever since the day that I saw it because I thought, that's not really so much about Jesus as it is about me. Because I'm the one here on earth representing Christ to that boy, right? Um, missionaries that go around the world are the ones that are representing Christ to that boy. And, what that picture made me feel was that we say that we're going to pray for people and um, then we walk away and they're still sitting there in their poverty. And while prayer is super important, and I don't mean to downplay that at all, um, the Bible makes clear that uh, faith without action is dead. And that's from James chapter 2. I'm just going to read it for you. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And that's really challenging to me because um, that's calling me to a higher, a higher level of giving and a higher level of generosity. That's the kind of generous that I want to be. I'm not always, and I, I don't do it well, um, but that's, that's where I'm headed. I want to encourage you in that. Okay, next, our picture encourages us to be happy for others. And it took me some time to work this one out. Scripture talks a lot about not coveting, which is coveting would, I would say, be the opposite of being happy for others. You want what they have. Um, it's in the Ten Commandments. And, and Scripture also talks about loving others. But what does it say about being happy for others? Romans 12:15 gets right to the point, and it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. I've spent a lot of my personal life working this one out, um, I, and I really try to pass on what I have learned to the young people at the school, especially the girls. Um, I think that comparison is the thief of joy. And... Social media makes it really hard to not do this. Some of you may not be on social media, some of you may, um, but I'm just gonna, gonna give you a quick example. Um, someone does well at something on Instagram, for example, and they gain popularity for it, and maybe their business grows. I follow a lot of creatives because I have a, um, an Instagram account where I try to push my um, creative business, and so I, I follow people like that on, on social media. And so, so somebody does really well 
And then there's backlash against that. And, and it made me think like, well, why is there backlash against that? Because there's room for that person to be successful and be great and for me to be successful and be great. That my lack of happiness for someone else comes because I'm coveting what they have and um, I'm comparing myself to their current situation. But my situation is not their situation. Um, and I love that, that even, um, well, I love that I get to teach young people, especially girls who were so good at comparing each other and looking at another girl and saying, oh gosh, look at her. Uh, I get to say to young women, there, are, there is room for both of you, for all of us to be great. And I really believe that and I think it's really important. Uh, you can be happy for your coworker that got, that got the promotion because you are still great. You can be happy for your friend that got asked on a date because you are still great. The scenarios could go on and on, but I think you get the picture. When we compare ourselves to someone else, we are robbed of the opportunity to rejoice on their behalf. I'm going to say that again because I think it's really important. When we compare ourselves to someone else, we are robbed of the opportunity to rejoice on their behalf. Let us get into the habit of thankfulness for the blessings of others because there is a seat at the table for all who believe. Okay. Do the right thing. We're getting, we're getting near the end here. Do the right thing. Colossians 3.17 pretty much gives us a blueprint of doing the right thing. It says, now these are your, your blanks, so get ready. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So if we're living our lives uh, for Christ and we're led by the Holy Spirit, and we're checking our actions and thoughts in prayer, we'll do the right thing, right? I wish that my life always worked out like that. The truth is, I fail to do the right thing all the time. Anybody else? I fail because I do so much on my own without asking God to guide me. I rely on what I know I can do rather than asking God to help me do it. My ways are not his ways, and neither are yours. Isaiah 55, 8 makes that clear. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. So how do we do the right thing? Uh, first, I would say that we need to recognize that we're all sinners. We all make mistakes and fall short of the glory of the Lord until the second coming of Christ. That's the reality of this world that we live in. Um, and, and forgiveness is paramount to this conversation. We can't do the right thing without offering and receiving forgiveness. Uh, second, I would say that we need to seek after God with all of who we are. There isn't a part of us that God doesn't know about and doesn't want to be laid before him on a daily basis, on an hourly basis if need be. God wants all of us all of the time. And last, I would say, just like that verse in Colossians suggests, that we give thanks that we give thanks when we get it right by the grace of God, that we give thanks uh, when we get corrected because we've made a mistake, and that we give thanks for the Holy Spirit who lives in us and guides us as uh, we walk and are attempting to do the right thing. Okay, so finally, the picture says, be the nice kid. 
And this is where I would make a change. Nice is good, but loving is better. That's on your sheet as well. Nice is good, but loving is better. I think it just sums the whole picture up really nicely to say, be the loving kid. Be the loving person. When we live in the character of Christ, we are loving because Jesus embodied love. And scripture is full about, of talk about love. And Jesus himself says that the greatest commandment is to love. To love him with all of who we are and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That, that is what we're after. So be the loving kid. I know we've covered a lot of ground. I know the rule. My husband is a pastor. Three talking points. I had six. That's why I made you a sheet to write on so you could follow along and remember. But I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you've been encouraged because life can be hard, whatever stage of it you happen to be in. Can you imagine how much lighter and more full life would be if we lived like people who each had our own thing? People who got along, people who were radically generous, people who were happy for others, people who chose to do the right thing, and above all else, people who were marked by outrageous love. That's a 20-year reunion, or a world, that I would be excited to be a part of. May his kingdom come more fully each day. Amen.